I'm Damian Bolwa. Today on Fifth and Mission, a look inside the office of San Francisco District Attorney Chesa Boudin, who it appears will be the subject of California's latest recall election next year. Organizers of the campaign to remove Boudin say they've collected more than 83,000 signatures ahead of Monday's deadline, more than the 51,000 signatures they needed. City officials now have 30 days to count and validate those signatures. How the election will turn out is tough to call. Boudin has a good deal of support still as one of the nation's most progressive prosecutors at a time of historic reform in the criminal justice system. The argument from the pro-recall campaign, meanwhile, is clear. Boudin, they say, is not tough enough on crime. But there's a new wrinkle to the debate. Chronicle columnist Heather Knight, who is my guest today, has a big story out about strife inside that district attorney's office, which has lost more than 50 lawyers since Boudin took over in January 2020. Some of those lawyers are now speaking out. Heather, let's get something out of the way right off the top. As our City Hall columnist, you've been pretty tough on Chase Boudin. Why? Because he's an elected official in our city and he deserves scrutiny. He's the top law enforcement officer in San Francisco at a very important time in this debate over criminal justice reform and crime in the city. And um, I think it's really important to cut through all of the noise on Twitter and the knee-jerk reactions about him from both ends. You know, there's seems like half of the city despises him and half of the city thinks he's the second coming of Christ or something. And I think it's important for us to bring the data, the nuance, the interviews, and the real information about what's going on to present an accurate picture. All right, let's get to your story, Heather. Who is Brooke Jenkins? She is a just resigned um, homicide prosecutor in the district attorney's office. Uh, She um, gave notice early in October. Her last day was the 15th. She was hired by George Gascon about seven years ago and is widely considered a rising star in the office, a talented, um, highly ethical uh, prosecutor who Boudin himself promoted to the homicide unit uh, last year. Um, She grew up in the Bay Area and attended law school at University of Chicago. Uh, moved back to the Bay Area and um, has just quit to um, work for his recall campaign, interestingly. She's 40 years old, a mother of two little kids. She's Black and Latina, and she describes herself as a progressive prosecutor um, who, of course, believes in the main tenet of Boudin's campaign and tenure as DA, which is that the criminal justice system is in need of major reform. She has uh, no doubt about that. And she wanted to speak out. She's being very public. What is she doing? Yeah, so um, a lot of attorneys have left very quietly. It's really hard to even find out their names um, or why they left. Um, I've reached out to many. I I did get three to talk to me, um, but most say, oh, maybe I'll talk to you another time. Um, Or they just don't return calls at all. Uh, I think that's pretty typical among lawyers who are changing jobs. They don't want to, you know, burn bridges or or look bad for their next employer. But um, Brooke Jenkins is very different. She doesn't have any job lined up. Um, other than volunteering for this recall campaign of her former boss. And um, she actually came to me wanting to tell her story and um, describe her concerns with the office, including um, unorganized uh, management, um, not much attention paid to the day-to-day workings of the cases, um, high turnover, very low morale. She described the DA's office as a, quote, sinking ship. All right. I want to get to some of her specific complaints in a minute, Heather, but I imagine there will be people that will say, hey, Chase Boudin is really shaking things up. Of course, there's going to be some strife like this. There's going to be some people who don't agree. 
they're going to leave. He might have to get rid of people. To what degree is this normal in terms of a changing DA's office and ideological mm-hmm. differences? Um, I've heard it can be pretty normal for the first couple of years of a DA, especially when somebody comes in with a bit of a different um, ideology or plan for the office than the previous person, that some people will leave. But when I've shared the numbers with some other local district attorneys, um, they were surprised by how high this figure of 50 is, which is about a third of the office. Um, I was talking to the San Mateo district attorney, Steve Wagstaff, about it and told him the number. And he said, wait, one five? And I said, no, five zero. Um, He's like, oh, yeah, that is high. So um, there will be turnover, but this seems like a lot to to most people. And uh, I did interview Chase Bodine himself, and he said he had a lot of reasons for this turnover. One is that he, he does want new energy. He seems happy that there are people who are excited to join the office and work for him and serve the city. He said the pandemic had a lot to do with it. A lot of um, workplaces, not just attorneys' offices, but everywhere are having a hard time keeping people. You know, people are opting to do different things with their lives. So he had some different explanations, but um, it is certain that this seems to be a, a high percentage of people leaving. And has this turnover had an impact on the office? Our colleagues have reported there was a judge recently who criticized the DA's office, saying they're shuffling in and out attorneys. It's it's having an effect in court. How many openings does he have, and is it affecting the work they do? He said he's able to hire um, enough people and that he only has four vacancies out of 144 positions. So he's not concerned about that at all. Other people are concerned that with inexperienced people, and especially people who haven't prosecuted cases before, since many of them are former defense attorneys, that they just need a lot of um, training and that with so many people handling one case and then leaving, um, it can result in some errors and some missteps, which seems to be what that um, judge, uh, Bruce Chan, was talking about a few weeks ago in Superior Court. And what does Chase Boudin say about alleged disorganization? He said that he has a very talented staff. He's fully um, confident in their ability to handle these serious cases, everything from homicide to sexual assault to domestic violence. He says that uh, most of those units still remain um, largely staffed by career prosecutors and that these concerns are, are overblown. All right. I want to get into it with you, Heather, about some of the specific complaints and cases. But first, a quick break on Fifth and Mission and a reminder about our listener survey. We've got some great feedback so far, and we'd still like to hear from you. Go to sfchronicle.com slash survey. You're listening to Fifth and Mission. You can support this show and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Welcome back to Fifth and Mission. I'm Damian Bolwa, joined by City Hall columnist Heather Knight. We're talking about Chase Boudin, the recall, and some strife inside Boudin's office. Heather, let's talk about Brooke Jenkins, the prosecutor who left. What was it that had gotten her stirred up? Why did she leave? So, as I said before, when she came uh, back from maternity leave last year, Chase Bodine promoted her to the homicide unit. And right away, she sensed the loss of six senior attorneys that he'd fired on his first day. She said they were kind of the mentors and the leaders of the office, and suddenly they were gone. And it was hard to be in this big new job without people like them to lean on. But um, she kind of moved past that. And then something very personal happened um, in her family. Her husband's cousin, who was just 18, um, Jerome Mallory, was killed in the summer of 2020. 
um, police uh, determined that four gang members in a car had um, killed him and that two of them had fired the guns and arrested all of them, but couldn't determine which two actually pulled the trigger. And this led to um, the district attorney uh, releasing them pretty quickly. And um, eventually he did file charges months later, but Brooke Jenkins disagrees with the charges that were filed and said that they're not strong enough to hold up in court. And she and her husband's family fear that this case is going to fall apart. So is this an issue of progressive reform or is it a philosophical issue about how you charge cases? Where does it where does it fall? Well, um, shortly after taking office, District Attorney Bodine did say that he was not going to file gang enhancements, which can add extra years of state prison time onto separate crimes if it's found that the person is a part of a gang and committed the crime in that capacity. Um, he said that those unfairly affect Black and Latino men and have led, led to mass incarceration and long prison sentences. And so only in very extraordinary circumstances would he use those. Brooke Jenkins said he also hardly ever uh, files just regular gang charges. And she believes that this is an instance where those are necessary. And so she thinks that he's allowing ideology to take precedence over safety and just um, and good prosecution. But that was not the case that ultimately let her out the door, right? Right. So again, she said she would keep going and, and she could kind of um, not get past that, but she could, you know, stick with the office. And then kind of the final straw was a big case that happened, um, a homicide case involving a man named Daniel Godino, who was 29 when he killed his mother and mutilated her corpse in April 2020. And Jenkins was the prosecutor on that case. Um, she did secure a guilty verdict in court. And then the jury took up the issue of whether uh, Godino had been insane at the time of the killing and should go to a locked state hospital or if he had known what he was doing and should go to prison. And the jury hung on that issue. And according to Jenkins, um, she and the public defender decided to let the judge make the final call on that. And before that could be resolved, she said that Chase Bodine intervened without talking to her and um, decided that the office would submit to the public defender's request that he be found insane and sent to a hospital. And when I talked to um, Bodine, he said that he has the ultimate decision-making power. And in his mind, he just thought that was very clear that this man who'd killed his mother, according to what doctors said and, and other evidence that he was insane and that he needed treatment. And Jenkins seemed to be kind of both in disagreement with that, but also mostly the fact that he just didn't even discuss it with her at all and kind of made the decision unilaterally. And she said that happens a lot where he makes big decisions without involving his own prosecutors who've been working on these cases for months and know the evidence better than anybody. And so she said, you know, under previous DA, um, George Gascon, that they would have meetings, she called them roundtables, where they would talk through cases and evidence and make these big kinds of decisions together. And she said that just doesn't happen anymore. And there's hardly any interaction between the DA and the people who work for him. You spoke to other prosecutors in the office who left. What was their general reasoning for wanting to leave? Yes, two other um, women who recently resigned um, did speak to me on the record. Um, Sochi Carrion, who was in the general felonies unit, talked about um, just how difficult it is to handle cases that have been passed through so many different prosecutors with so many people leaving. And she said, you know, that can create mistakes and whoever's the last prosecutor handling the case, the buck stops there. And she worried all the time about um, about something being messed up that then landed in her lap and then she'd be held responsible. And she said she even worried about losing 
her right to practice law in the state of California, and she called it very stressful. She also didn't like this idea that she said Bodine has, which is that he's bringing these new revelatory um, notions of criminal justice to the office and that they were all kind of old-fashioned traditional prosecutors. She said the San Francisco DA's office has always been ahead of the curve on these issues and has practiced restorative justice and tried to find alternatives to incarceration for a long time. And she found it offensive that he thought that in her mind that, that he was bringing that for the first time. I also talked to um, Sharina Lumi, who um, also left recently, and she felt that he was more concerned about public perception than victims. So that was her main reason. All right. Just kind of going wider, Heather. I mean, you've talked about how people are leaving. They have a high turnover rate and how Boudin and his supporters say this is part of the, the change that's going on in the office. But hey, here's a guy that's part of a big debate in the city, and he's up for recall. Why does this all matter? How, how is it going to sort of take shape as the next year unfolds? Well, he's part of a huge movement nationally of progressive prosecutors um, really fighting for criminal justice reform, ending cash bail, more diversion, more restorative justice. And those are all big issues that I think matter to a lot of people. Um, the question is whether you can do all of the things that he wants to do while also just being careful in your cases and making sure that people do pay for their crimes when they commit them and that um, victims are receiving the services they need and that, you know, the office is actually doing its day-to-day responsibilities. So I think he's going, this recall will be looked at nationally because this is a national movement and um, people who support him and his beliefs and what he wants to do for the criminal justice system are very invested in making sure that he keeps his job. And is it potentially an issue that on the recall campaign, you have these people who are going to be talking about things that happened back when they were in the office? Yeah. Um, well, that's obviously going to happen with Brooke Jenkins and, and maybe others. So um, I think that, you know, it does give the recall campaign a boost to have somebody who's who really knows what she's talking about, has a lot of experience, is a really respected homicide prosecutor. Chase Bodine didn't say anything negative about her or her resume or her um, qualifications. So um, she she has a lot of um, respect, I think, in the city. And I think her voice will carry weight. All right, Heather. Well, I'm sure it will be an interesting campaign and probably a pretty intense one. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thanks to my guest today. She's Chronicle City Hall columnist Heather Knight. Thanks to King Kaufman for producing this episode. And thank you for listening. <laughs>